Welcome, everybody, to the final edition of the Behind the Curtain series on the web.com podcast. The Behind the Curtains were an amazing look at all of the hard work everyone puts in into making web. That is what it is. And hearing some of these behind-the-scenes stories, whether trades or draft picks or whatever, it was a very refreshing change of pace from our, our typical talking head stories. And getting to hear some of these behind-the-scenes stories that we would have not normally heard was very fun, and we look forward to making these a yearly occurrence for years to come. And with that, let's get to our final guest, two-time Big Five champion, two-time defending web champion, possibly the best commissioner, not just in fantasy football, but everywhere on earth. Wow. Uh, Travis Kelsey owner. Mango fresh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What an intro. Hey, I'm I'm not gonna lie, hearing you read that, like that was that was maybe a better intro than I've done in like the last three <laughs> years. So I'm a little bit nervous that the league's gonna make Ooh. try to make you the permanent host on this one. A little job switch. So how does yeah. it feel being on the other side? Oh, it's it's so weird. Like on Caleb's, I was I felt totally in the zone. Like, yeah, this is Caleb's deal. Like whatever. Uh we're like a minute in and I am so uncomfortable. It it feels like <laughs> I'm trying to write left-handed right now. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. And we don't want to forget my esteemed co-host, uh, the host <laughs> of the Keel Pro Dynasty show, Caleb. Uh, glad I, you could make some time to be here. How are you doing? I am back, and uh, it feels good. You know, a lot of jokes about me being on vacation and stuff. And I think it's just funny that I'm technically on spring break right now, and now this is like the one time I come on. So, um, okay. actually on vacation, but uh, taking the time out of my day to get back on the podcast. You know, my busy schedule. <laughs> How it is, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. You um, want to drop your handle quick so people know where to find you? Yeah, I, I'm sure you guys haven't heard. If you haven't, um, at Keel Pro ADA, make sure to check us out on Spotify. Leave a review. I don't think that's a possible thing on Spotify, actually. But, um, yeah, but, but the focus is not on me, even though as, as much as we want it to be. This is on Mingo. So, Well, hey, uh, hold on. Yeah. You know, I want to just say something before we get started. Oh. Because, it's first of all, it's nice to have you back. Thanks for yeah. joining us. Uh, but while you're off, like making your own online presence now, it's kind of weird to see you sitting here. It's kind of like a crossover episode now. Like you're not the third seat anymore. You're like seat one C because you got your own little business going on. I guess, yeah, it is kind of weird how it's like you guys groomed me into this sort of this podcast member two years ago. Podcast host factory. (laughs) People are clamoring. He's got like a presence to him now. It's, it's difficult to describe. Yeah, I, I had to bring in an intern. Um, maybe we can bring someone else in to fill in some weeks for me uh, yeah, as we come up let's, here. Let's groom another web member. We'll, yeah, I don't know. we'll take some applications. For sure, do a, little, do a little scouting. Uh, I think we know. Yeah. You guys obviously have an eye for talent. So, mm-hmm. All right. So I think... <laughs> I think the best way to tell the story of Mango's journey through web is by starting at the end briefly and then going back to the beginning and then periodically returning to the end, maybe giving different characters perspectives throughout. Sort of a last dance timeline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. I always wanted to hit that 
that other guy quote and i finally got a chance to do it so <laughs> nice job that was, that was that, that was amazing <laughs> all right but actually what i wanted to start with i uh, just want to get some of your perspective on this memorable two-year run i mean because when you look at the big five dynasties like parker and dan they both snagged championships very early in their in their process of their runs dan and 2013 and Parker basically started his dynasty with a championship and you had your coming out party in 2017 but it took you until 2019 to finally break through and get that championship can you maybe speak on that a little bit and offer a bit of advice to teams that are close but can't quite break through yeah so um, I had a journey to that 2017 season that was what some might describe as a roller coaster. I wasn't the most level-headed owner in the league. I like to make some impulsive moves, and I had the the alternating seasons of playoff team five and nine, playoff team five and nine, and honestly, it was playing in the big five and seeing what Dan and Parker were doing. That was ultimately the inspiration for me to kind of get my shit together and figure it out because I knew that I had what it took to be one of the best teams in the league. Um, from a dynasty perspective, I knew I was putting in the work and I just needed to kind of fine tune some of the elements that, you know, some of, you know, the best owners you Parker and and Dan had going for you guys. Um, and so honestly, if there's one piece of advice that I can offer to anybody in the league, it is make trading easy. Like I have had a philosophy since 2017, basically um, before that, I was very much trying to, you know, squeeze value out of any situation I could target owners that I thought maybe I could take advantage of a little bit. And once I stopped doing that and just started going out and saying, I want this player, tell me how to get him," and being willing to pay whatever the price is, even if it feels like an overpay, you're going to make friends throughout the league. You're going to have owners that are willing to talk to you. They know that it's a painless experience dealing with you. And I think I've built a pretty good connection with a few owners that I deal with quite regularly. And honestly, it's just, it's just those relationships that help me kind of, you know, get my team to where I want it to be. And if I, if I inquire about someone's player, they can come, they know they can come to me about my players. And it's just really made the team building experience so seamless for me. Um, so that that's honestly the number one piece of advice is just be be a willing and easy to work with trade partner. Uh, yeah, I would completely agree with that because I was looking through the trade history and especially this season, how active you were and not even necessarily on the big deals, but like. When the when push comes to shove, when this playoff push comes around, you were active as heck. I mean, um, starting let's see, starting pretty much in October when you traded for Raheem Mostert. Like these aren't like blockbuster moves, but you're like filling out the team in ways. So you trade for Raheem Mostert, grab Geo who had a few good weeks of production, the Honey Badger you went out and got. Like there's these these small moves that maybe don't seem like a lot, but you're filling out your team and. You, you've proven to be a team that's not afraid to go for it where, you know, some teams maybe we criticize them for not um, going all in. So 
Um, is your philosophy sort of like the past few years, just going for it and not like not looking too far into the future or, um, what, what are your, what's, yeah. What do you think about there? Yeah. So this is where I'm going to completely disagree with Dan from last week's podcast, um, where I, I have developed a mentality of all systems go, whatever it takes. Um, that's another thing where in the early years of web, I was, so focused on you know building this team that had uh, high dynasty ranked players that looked great on paper and just really trying to build something that you know I could feel good about looking at. Um, and once I started to see the results that I wanted to, I mean, I made a few trades and made a few draft picks that kind of put me where I am now. And once I realized that I was entering a window for championship contention, I just started going full send on everything. I mean, I I think I've shown in the last couple of years, especially that I am not willing to, you know, hold on to draft picks if if it means that I can add a player that and I, and like you said, I mean Raheem Mostert, that's a trade that gets criticized by Dan. And I'm sure other owners as well look at that trade as a as a loss on my side. But the way that I saw it was I'm I'm taking a swing on a player that can start for me um, when he's healthy. And, you know, it didn't necessarily pan out the way that I wanted to, but I don't regret it. I would do it again just because um, if I'm not putting all of my assets and, you know, my ammunition into a title run, then I'm leaving something on the table. And if I end the year thinking that I could have done more to set myself up, then that's going to hurt more than anything. So um, I am I'm definitely of the philosophy of going full send trading just to round out every facet of the team and then just figuring it out in the future. All right. Yeah, so, so was that philosophy switch? Do you think that's the main difference between like those 2017 and 2018 years? Did that kind of occur like around that 2019 year? Yeah, I think I think it is. I think because 2017, I don't remember the timeline exactly. Caleb, when did we do the Michael Thomas trade? Oh, that was I can look. 20, was it like end of 2018, sort of? Um... Yeah, um, ten twenty four, my birthday, nice. uh, twenty eighteen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, so twenty seventeen is the year that I come in off the two draft picks. I add Fournette and Dalvin Cook. So I, I see my team sort of coming around. And then when I made the Michael Thomas trade, I think that was the moment for me where I realized like this is it. Like I'm going in now. Um, cause at the time I felt like that was a huge, you know, what, what I paid, it felt like I had, you know, pretty significantly cut my team off from a depth perspective just to get this guy in my lineup. And so I think from that point on, I just became willing to sacrifice, um, for success. And I think, you know, I've managed to within that still kind of recuperate um, draft capital or younger assets um, along the way. Um, like the Amari Cooper trade was a good example of, you know, I come off the championship and then I was willing to kind of shuffle some things around. Um, and I, I knew I was adding two firsts there and I knew that, you know, that eighth pick, I was going to get a player that I felt good about replacing Cooper. 
Um, so it's just, you know, finding those opportunities to kind of retool it when you can in the off season. But yeah, I definitely think after that Michael Thomas trade and going into 2019 and 2020, I definitely have had a different mindset. Yeah, so you, so you win that 2019 championship, and 2019 was relatively quiet. You did most of your work on the trade front. You did most of your work in, before that year. You, I know you got Brandon Cooks, but you go out there, you you win the championship, you get over the hump, um, and most people would think about maybe relaxing a little bit, but like you mentioned, you go out uh, immediately, early January, trade Amari Cooper, which you just brought up. Um, and this is like two weeks after the championship where, (laughs) (laughs) um, and you use that pick on T Higgins, who some could argue is already worth more than Amari Cooper here. One, one year later, uh, was T a target all the way back in January or were you just position positioning yourself where kind of knew a good player would fall at that time? I would not say that I made that trade with T Higgins in mind. Um, obviously I, I knew that I wanted T Higgins um, watching the national championship game really solidified that for me where I sent the tweet and I knew like, I need this guy. I just wasn't sure where he was going to go. Um, even in the NFL draft at that point. Um, but mm-hmm. as the, as we started getting closer, um, to the web draft, I, it, I mean, it, it really solidified it for me. I think at the time that I made that trade, I knew I was going to get a good player based off of the draft class. I knew that eight was really going to be more of like a four. Um, like I was looking at it like a few spots higher than what an eight would typically be. Um, and I mean, for, I think probably at that time, if I had to put a wager on it, I would have said rugs. <laughs> Like Ruggs was my guy <laughs> that was not yeah. smokescreen the whole way through. But as the process went along, then I was able to kind of shuffle that and I, you know, settled on T. Yeah. Um, looking in, sort of talking about like the draft and stuff and looking at uh, numbers here, like your offense um, points per game has been at the top of the league of the past few years. Um, number two this year, number one, 2019, number one, 2018, number three in 2017, and then 2016, you were sixth. But I think, you know, there might, there has to be some correlation here between that rise in numbers and this 2017 draft. Um, looking to the years prior, you know, you had a year in 2015 where you drafted, uh, Kevin White and TJ Yeldon in the first round um, and then didn't really have many picks in 2016. So you were kind of stuck in this spot, but then 2017 comes around and this is when your offense really took off when you drafted Leonard Fournette, Delvin Cook, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, some other guys in the third, but then in the fourth, you grab Jamal Adams and Deshaun Watson. I mean, this is the draft that really, I feel like formed your team to that offense of, of what it was. Um, was there anything that changed in your evaluation or anything or how you were viewing picks um, to do this? Cause I feel like without this draft, like you might not be where you are today. <laughs> I can't say that anything specifically changed with my evaluation. If anything, I think I probably watched less tape. That That's year. right. That's the year you, 
you were just like reading things draft night. You're like, like I was, I was all that, that Kevin white draft. I mean, I was all in on tape that year. I was like all aboard TJ Yeldon. I was like ready to go, but um, no, yeah, that, that 2017 draft. I mean, that really, like I kind of mentioned, like that was a huge confidence boost for me. And I knew that night um, expecting, you know, obviously I wanted Corey Davis a lot, but um, when I realized he was probably going one and I didn't want to move up, um, I was, I knew I was getting Leonard Fournette, who was a player that was supposed to go number one overall, um, like a few months earlier in that process. And so I felt great about that. And then, you know, pairing that immediately with Dalvin cook, it was like, uh, after that Jamal Charles trade with Frazier, I just, I felt like I had kind of been trying to find a running back combination that I could feel good about. And coming out of that draft, I had it. Um, and so that was like huge for me. And then, I mean, Juju was just a complete lottery pick. That was a BPA completely picked him based off of the fact that I didn't feel like he should have still been on the board. And then, uh, obviously Watson was, a you know, I think he was either the first or second quarterback taken, but back then that's going to be a fourth round pick. So it's, you know, that was just kind of a home run, you know, swing and, but yeah, no, coming out of that draft, I mean, I, I had a lot of confidence and honestly, uh, that's something that, you know, when I look back on some of these drafts, I start to realize like, you know, you're not gonna, you're not going to have these classes every year like that, that infusion of talent and, you know, dynasty superstardom isn't going to happen for you most years. So I think uh, that's been another reason why I've been a little bit more willing to part with some draft capital. Yeah, I think that 2017 draft is going to be iconic for years to come. <laughs> um, even even if a lot of those players aren't on teams, you're able to flip like or your team anymore. You're able to flip. Fournette's, I think, was that the Michael Thomas deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and then Juju brings in Hopkins. Um, and, yeah, we mentioned these big moves. I think you've touched on it enough, but this year you bring in DeAndre Hopkins in May. Uh, just another aggressive move. You're bringing in Mike Evans. I don't think we have to talk about it too much more, but Mango <laughs> is the poster we child for the aggressive moves, and I'm a little bit jealous. Well, okay, here's here's the deal though. Like I this came up, I don't I think it came up on one of the other ones, but we were also just talking about it at poker. This idea of one upping the guy in front of you is certainly a real thing for me. When oh I God. see Parker go out and make a move, or if I see Dan go out and make a move, I, I am immediately put on the scent of what move can I make. Um, I mean, that's just competition element of it. You know, the big five, I feel like we have, a, you know, these three teams that are constantly trying to be the best. Um, but yeah, like those, those trade, I mean, specifically the Mike Evans trade, that was a complete, like people are making moves and I got to make a move. And Mike (laughs) Evans is a top dynasty asset still. And I'm just going to go grab him. I sacrificed my own man, Keenan Allen, to do it, but I mean, I guess worth, but yeah, that was that was definitely not a planned move at all. That was a complete response trade. 
there's there's something about the sleeper era with wanting to uh, one up people with the bombs in the yes. chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the notification just hits different. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yes. So, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, uh, speaking of trades, I need to know. Go into your mind with this Michael Thomas trade saga with Tim, where it's been <laughs> back and forth. Nobody really knows what you guys' plan is, especially Tim. Um, but I'm sort of wondering what you, what's been going through your head with Michael Thomas over these past few months. All right, Michael Thomas obviously is one of my rocks. I have a jersey. He single-handedly propelled me to that 2019 title. But coming out of this year with how tumultuous it was for him, I just had such a sour taste in my mouth. And it was sort of like Amari Cooper the year before where I saw an opportunity to get out on this player that I wasn't super sold on moving forward. And I got two picks and it was very similar to Amari Cooper where I got two picks and I felt good about that and adding some draft capital to my arsenal. Um, But just after a while, like after a couple weeks, I was like, God, my team would look so much better if I had Michael Thomas right now. <laughs> and he's coming. I mean, he's getting surgery and it comes out that he was he didn't opt for surgery because he wanted to be for on Breeze's last ride. And I was like, God, that makes so much sense why he looked so bad. So then I was like, OK, I think he's going to come back next year. I don't you know, the quarterback situations, whatever. I'm not worried about it. And so then I started bugging Tim, like, hey, I'll give you a first for Michael Thomas as a joke. Like, (laughs) I'll give you one first back. And I just said it enough times where suddenly it was like I could see the expression on his face change when I brought it up. And I was like, are we is there something here? Like, are we doing this? (laughs) And, you know, ultimately it uh, it cost me Zach Cunningham in a second. Um, to do it, but I was able to keep one of the firsts that I got, which is really all I cared about at that time. And so, yeah, that was, that was the thought process. And then I almost traded him again. We were this close to doing a three teamer. (laughs) He would have been shipped back to Tim. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, no, he, I don't, I think now that the dust has settled, I think we're going to go into 2021 with Mike um, for another ride. All right, that the three teamer would have rocked the rocked the web world. <laughs> oh, I thought we had it too. We were right there. It was like the handshakes were happening like mentally, and it was, but yeah. And Tim probably would have already traded him back to you. So probably, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna move back to that 2020 season here, quick. Um, so your team kind of morphed into this more of like a consistent excellence team after just being an overwhelming force of nature in 2019 that was relatively inconsistent at the same time. And I think that combined with your own two start led to teams like Dave and Dan getting a little bit more hype than you. And how did it feel kind of being that underdog throughout 2020 that people didn't really talk about that much except for me? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, it is different when you're doing the podcast and you know, I'm not the kind of person that's like super jacked to talk about myself on my own podcast. So 
Um, I'm usually more lukewarm on myself to begin with, but it definitely, like you said, the energy was different. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I was getting the respect that I thought that my team deserved coming off the championship, coupled with the performance that I was having. I mean, obviously, Dave was the story of the season, so that was going to you know, trump anything. Um, but I really felt like I was in control the whole way through. I never really felt like it was slipping away from me. Um, I made, you know, I made a lot of trades. I shored up my depth, shored up my defense. Um, and you know, I felt really confident even with Dan surging at the end of the year. Um, I still was going into the postseason feeling very good. Um, and that, you know, that game with Dave, um, you know, it was, when I won that game, I, it became real again, you know, where it was like, I had felt like I was the favorite. Um, but once I won that game, I was like, okay, like we're here now. Like this is, this is, uh, this is real. So, um, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of confidence this season and it, it kind of was nice to go a little bit more under the radar with it just because, you know, there was a little bit less pressure and I just felt like I could play my own game and kind of, you know, have people sleeping on me a little bit so how yeah. much how much different did the 2020 playoff run feel from 2019 was there a little bit less nerves or how what were the differences there there was certainly less nerves and i think i mean that might just be the nature of the games themselves um 2019 was just nail biters both games were just nail biters um but I would say in general, just the feeling that I had going into that week, those weekends, um, you know, 2019 was, you know, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get this, like, this is my time. It was the best I had ever felt going into the postseason. Um, and going into this year, like I said, I mean, I just, I had more confidence. I had been there before I was holding the belt. Like I, I just felt very in control. And, uh, once that, you know, once I knocked off Dave, who, you know, I was considering to be the favorite, um, then, you know, I was, I was ready for that game with Dan. I, I considered it a toss up like we all did on the podcast, but, um, I, I had a lot of, uh, confidence in my team. And looking at it, I'm looking at it now and it's kind of traumatizing. Um, week 14, you win and you're in and you lose to Dan and you, if I win, I'm in and you're out. And I end up losing to, to Dave by nine points, that, that brutal Debo injury that broke my heart. Um, so, yeah, you really, I mean, you didn't really, like, just get in there easy to the playoffs. You know, it seemed like it was like, yeah, it's Dark Horse. Like, you weren't really worried. But, like, week 14, there, there had to be a little pressure there. Well, yeah, there was certainly pressure. I think. Like that was the weirdest time of the season for me because I really just didn't feel like I should have been in that position. Like, I mean, like I was saying, like I, I had so much confidence in my team down the stretch and just, um, I think it was that did I lose to Parker in week 13. Am I remembering uh, that right? Week 13. Yeah. You lost by three points to Parker. Yeah. Right. So that's the, that's the, um, uh patrick queen interception game oh yeah <laughs> so yeah that was a that was a tough one i think coming out of that game i i was a little bit rattled 
just because of how volatile of a loss it was. And I was like, you know, if this is how my season's going to end, like that sucks. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, there was certainly pressure going through week 14. Um, but I, you know, I, I guess it was just that uh, the nature of being the defending champ I just felt so poised, like even through the pressure and the nerves of it all, I just felt way more in control, um, despite having zero control over anything, just watching the points come in. But I just felt so much better about it, um, realizing that I, I didn't have to, you know, there wasn't a whole legacy riding on it. It sure. was, it was just kind of a, you know, I, I felt like I could do it, so... All right, so I just want to give you the floor. Do you want to talk about what Travis Kelsey means to you? <laughs> I appreciate this question <laughs> or this opportunity. Um, yeah, so Travis, my guy, um, this is a this is a whole journey for me because we talk about this era for my team in 2017 onward, but. Travis has been the guy since near almost the beginning of it all. And I, I mean, I really have to thank Dan because I wouldn't have a clue who this guy was without Dan talking him up 2013 uh, with that historic tight end group that he had in 2013. When you look <laughs> back on that, realizing Kelsey was the, the prospect oh, in the my. wings behind Jimmy and Gronk. Jesus. <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, so I mean... That that Demarius Thomas trade that landed me Kelsey was almost entirely with Kelsey in mind. And at that time, I obviously had no clue what I was walking into with him. But um, seeing him become this player has been one of the greatest things to watch. And I think it's really the it's really what makes Dynasty so special is when you have a guy and you just get to have him and you get to watch him and every sunday you know he's there on your team and and he's a and obviously travis with the mvp this season that it just really capped it it was like a great you know honestly the mvp for travis was it was a it was a huge deal because um it just really like just really put my whole web journey in perspective in a, in a way like realizing like this was a guy that I got in 2014 and we're here in 2020 and he's the MVP of the league and I'm a champion. And it's just, when you see that and with the team that you've built and the guys that you've targeted, it's, it's just a different feeling. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about the theme of sustained excellence and ask what was the key to it, but I figured I'd just skip that and just ask you about Travis. Instead. <laughs> it's been a big part of that. Um, I, I have one more thing in my notes that I wanted to ask about um, going forward, sort of. So I'm looking at your defense the past few years, and it's kind of just been average to below average, you know, number six this past season, number five in 2019, and number seven in 2018, and obviously it hasn't hindered you too much after winning two championships, but now we're getting these defensive scoring boosts. You know, I'm looking at what your defense is looking like. You traded away Zach Cunningham. 
Uh, you got some aging guys in Bobby Wagner, Jordan Hicks, Cameron Jordan, J.J. Watt. I mean, Honey Badger's getting up there. Uh, obviously, brought in a guy like Chase Young, which helps. But what are your plans for the defense going this season? You think there's still going to be some moves to make, um, draft moves possibly? Uh, what are your thoughts on the defensive side? Um, yeah, defense has been an issue for me. Um, it's been a frustrating issue because I feel like the defense that I've built or have been building has just not performed to what I expected them to. And I think last year going into the season, the trade for Bobby Wagner, um, that was a, that was a move where I was really trying to, um, get a superstar line, like a guy that I could just really count on to be a, a defensive superstar. And he was for most of the season. And still it just felt like my defense couldn't put it all together on a week to week basis. Um, so to answer the question, I've put a lot of emphasis on my defense. Now I haven't made any moves yet quite yet, but, um, Thinking about it, planning for the draft, planning for potential trades that I want to make. Um, it's I, I fully expect to make some defensive additions before 2021. Um, Chase Young is is obviously my dude. I'm really hoping that he becomes a nuclear weapon with the scoring changes, and that helps me a lot. Um, but uh, linebacker is specifically a big need and I'm looking to address that, whether that, you know, comes in the draft or through a trade. Um, but yeah, I DBs, I feel like I have a, a collection of really good aging DBs, but I don't necessarily know if that is going to translate as we move, you know, Honey Badger is going to be almost 30 and Kevin Bayard's getting up there now too. And so, yeah, there there's moves to be made across the defense and I'm certainly going to be targeting that. Um, it's definitely not, I'm not looking to play the waiver game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned the 2021 draft. You're sitting at 2.02 as I believe you're only capital in the top two rounds. You were able to acquire Aaron Rodgers, uh, successfully got rid of the Deshaun Watson drama, uh, while also potentially positioning yourself for a quarterback of the future. Um, and it's <laughs> it's no secret that you're a fan of this quarterback class. Are you willing to offer any insights into your targets for 2.02? And why is it Mac Jones? I'll, <laughs> I'll offer you an insight, and I'll tell you that I will not be picking 14th overall in this draft. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You, can, you can take a look at that and throw it out the window because there is one player in this draft that I will have on my team, and whether or not it takes uh, an entire roster hall overhaul to make it happen. It's going to happen. Oh so uh, yeah, don't, and that's not going to happen at 14. So I will be moving up the board, man. I, I truly have no idea who this is going to be. I mean, I, you drop a need linebacker helps and I all of a sudden thinking about mango trying to get Parsons and 
Keith mentioned Dubata, and he's, he's a Lawrence guy as well. So he, you seem like the wild card of the draft, which is Good. pretty impressive for Let's not even being in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how are you feeling about the squad in general going into 2021? Are you thinking it's three-peat or bust here? It is. I cannot emphasize this enough. It is three-peat or bust. I have one target in my mind right now, and that is becoming the first three-peat champion in web history. Dynasties, real dynasties start at three, and I want to get to three. Mm -hmm. MJ, Steph, the whole deal, we're doing it. We're doing three. Um, So, yeah, I'm not going to be messing around this season. Um, I... My roster is a little old. It's a little older, and uh, it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't bother me. I'll I'll get older if that's what it takes. I, I literally could not care less about 2022 <laughs> and beyond. It is 100% about the three-peat this year. I mean, when you start dropping MJ and Warrior <laughs> stuff, I mean, I'll trade so many picks to be in that company. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so so more than anyone, this global platform is yours all of the time. It it is yours, <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, the mic right now is also yours. What do you want to share with Web and also the world? Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I got a few things. So. Number one, this league is the greatest thing in the world. Um, When I heard the story that some guy that I didn't even know before that night, basically, was listening to our podcast, I was like, all right, like, we got it. We got the secret sauce here. Hey, let me let me cut in too to add to that. He's been asking me for the settings and stuff. He's making a web clone right now. <laughs> I want to so, get into yeah. this. That's that's how. So yeah, um, it it it. I mean, it, it's remarkable. It really is. I like we talk about. I do this every year, season and review, and the draft and all this, and we talk about it. But like, it's it truly is so special, and I literally think back to like 2013 when we got it started and just like realizing from then till now what we've gone through you know we're going into the ninth year this has been an entire like era this has been eight years and we have stories that we tell i mean you, you we can reference 2014 and people know exactly what we're talking about I mean, it's like we have our own history book now. And I mean, that doesn't just happen. And uh, it's it's a complete credit to all of our owners. Um, and, you know, we've, we've made, you know, owners have come and gone through the years. And I really just, this 2020 group, this with the expansion teams, it just felt so different. It just felt so like this was it. Like the, the 12 teams that we have, um, what what those two guys brought, Riley and Colin, and then coupled with everybody else. I mean, it's it's just so special. And I mean, I uh, 
it makes it makes winning and striving to win so much more important to me where it just feel like it doesn't feel like I'm just trying to win a fantasy league. It feels like I'm literally trying to win the Super Bowl. That's the mentality <laughs> that I that I carry with I mean competing with you guys. So it it's it's so great. And uh that being said, um I I look forward to taking no prisoners this season. Ooh. You're going to see a different Mingo in 2021. Um we might have a uh a marketing firm coming in to put a, put together a little hype video um, wow. that will potentially be released before the 2021 season, and I think it's gonna it's gonna showcase that the money makers are uh, undergoing some personality changes in the building as we gear up for the three peat. So, um, <laughs> just want everybody to be aware of that, and also um, I will be talking to anybody in the six to ten range constantly for the next three months until somebody gives in and trades me a pick man if only we knew some people with those picks yeah, yeah caleb yeah. Oh, if only we did hey buddy you want to make a trade nah nah dude i'm set <laughs> i'm set up I'm so upset man i mean good. the thought of uh mingo getting more aggressive when we talked about him as the most aggressive web owner other, over the last two <laughs> years is a little bit terrifying for contenders so i'm kind of glad i bowed out to that so <laughs> i'll probably be I, joining you soon when i after this like, year it's just gonna blow up in my face i mean you've always been like two years behind me so <laughs> <laughs> okay 2023 okay i gotta start stockpiling 2024 picks. yes yeah, right. go ahead and get that started. You know, I think I, I speak for everyone when we say we appreciate all the work you've put into hosting the pod. I think it's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that maybe we don't see. And even if some weeks where there isn't to the behind-the-scenes work, you just get by and sheer hosting talent to <laughs> still put out an incredible podcast. So we thank you, the lead commission, as well. Uh, I hope you enjoyed having the tables turned this week. <laughs> It, I'm not going to lie, it felt good. I felt like I could actually talk about my team without people being annoyed at me. So that was that was nice. Um, but hey, you did an, an amazing job in the host chair. Just incredible. I mean, four years of, of being uh, in the, the co-host chair. I mean, you've, you're like a groomed prospect at this point. And then yeah. obviously we got Caleb over here who was super leaguing, breaking away from the pack. But <laughs> Okay. Yeah. This... Oh, this was my moment to prepare a lot of notes. I didn't want to blow this. It, it, you did a great job. It was incredible. And hey, I, uh, I'm very excited to come back next week and do our first mock draft. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe the first crossover show. You never know. Ooh, yes. Oh, baby. <laughs> From the Keel Pro Dynasty show, Caleb is joining us this week. <laughs> <laughs> From the key, from the web.com dynasty podcast. <laughs> yeah, God. Oh, yeah, we're here together this week. All right. It's special. So thanks again to every owner that came on. Again, it was a great series. I hope we can keep it going next year. Um, and with that, let's make it a great draft season. <laughs>